Welcome to episode 6 of AU Manufacturing Conversations with Brent Belinsky. In this episode, we speak to Jess Hodge, co-founder of the husband and wife-led startup Resourceful Living. Jess's company launched in October last year, and will soon be able to say it has repurposed 10 tons of HDPE and LDPE plastics, which would otherwise have ended up in landfill. After years of being a non-issue, recycling plastics seemed to emerge as a subject of real importance at the turn of the decade, after China and then other nations removed the option of us simply shipping what we were done with over there to be recycled, burned or buried. We've phased in waste export bans since, and as of the beginning of July, Australians can't send waste plastics overseas unless they've been suitably processed first. Jess and her husband Jeff were inspired to start their recycling business after a sunrise trip to a beach on their Thailand honeymoon. After a bit of saving, they eventually began Resourceful Living in 2021. Their company has been nominated for Outstanding Startup in the upcoming Hunter Manufacturing Awards. You can see more about the awards in the show notes. Thank you for downloading this episode. If you enjoy the conversation, please subscribe, leave a review via the podcast platform of your choice, and help us spread the word. Good afternoon, Jess Hodge. Thank you very much for joining us on AU Manufacturing Conversations. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. No worries. How did you get here and what do you make at Resourceful Living? How did I get here is a bit of a funny story. My husband and I went to Thailand for our honeymoon and in the afternoon we arrived and went for a walk along the beach and it was beautiful. The, the sand was golden and the water was crystal clear. And then I thought the next day we could be super romantic and watch a sunrise. And we got up and on the beach was two excavators and about four dozers and six massive skip bins, all just getting plastic out of the ocean, you know, just getting it all cleaned up, ready for when us tourists were going to hit the beach a little bit later. And Mm. from there, I decided that I really wanted to do something with the plastic waste that we've got. And so it's been a few years in the making of just doing little, you know, science experiments, I guess Mm. is probably the best way to describe it. Sure. And from there, Resourceful Living was created where we create furniture and decor products as well as custom sorts of things, all making post-consumer, both individual and business waste into something new. So what could be your shampoo bottle today could actually be in your coffee table tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we're not just keeping it as a bottle. It's being completely changed into something that is a lot longer wearing Um, and you know we hope that people then have their coffee tables or hallways tables office desks you know in their homes for years and years and years and it's not thrown out due to the contents of the bottle being empty and and so tell me please you mentioned you got started I guess you wouldn't call it an eureka moment exactly but you you saw inspiration in a sad state of uh, beach on your honeymoon I, I was wondering if you could tell me sort of were you in the manufacturing industry before or just completely different career tell me about what were you doing leading up to starting this company I read your husband I think if memory serves as an engineer by training tell me about yourself please and a little bit about what what the two of you were doing pre-resourceful living yeah sure so my background's actually media and community communications. I majored in advertising and I was actually prior to this building websites and doing digital marketing and my husband is a mechanical sustainable and materials engineer and so I feel like the two of us have a really good skill set but both 
like in our personal lives, we're really conscious about our own waste. And I guess that on top of, you know, seeing the beach just fueled that we wanted to do something that was really meaningful and, and really made a change, not just, you know, go with the flow and, and, and wait for government or someone to, to make a change, but actually take that change and, and do it ourselves. Right. And what year did you get started? So we actually only started building our, because we self-built it all our machines. So it was a few years of saving because we're fully self-funded. So we had to wait till our bank account said, yep, you can afford to mm-hmm. do a business and survive. We actually started at the beginning of last year and then October 1, 2021 was actually when we launched to the public, which was probably the most nerve-wracking day of my life mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was the first time that we'd actually shown people that we weren't related to, but it was extremely well-received and it's been one whirlwind of a journey in the last nine, ten months. So tell me, how many uh, are in your team at the moment, please? At the moment, there's three. It's a really family affair. My husband, myself, and my brother. Right. So the three of us get in and make everything, but that's not how we want it to stay. We'd like to be a really big force to be reckoned with and really contribute to jobs in the Hunter region in the near future. Tell us, please, something about what plastics you're working with. Are you mainly looking at polyethylenes and are you using any sort of stabilizers and additives to make them fit for purpose? A bit on that note, please. Yeah, sure. So the, at the moment, we're dealing with number two and number four, which, mm-hmm. um, as you said, was HDPE, which is high-density polyethylene, and then number four is low-density polyethylene. Yep. The reason for that is... It's one of the most readily available plastics is why we've started with this one. But we've actually set up our business that in the future we look to be able to take on all types of plastic. We actually don't add any stabilizers, colors or additives. It is what it is. So if people are after a custom sort of object, depending on if it will be used for outside or inside, we actually look at what the product was prior to coming to our factory. So, for example, we did a few outdoor tables and we used old wheelie bins because they had all the additives ready to be repurposed again. Tell us, please, something of the products you're making. I think you mentioned outdoor furniture was an early early thing that you're making, but you're making all sorts of other stuff since then. Uh, a little bit about your product range, please. So we've got a pretty large product range at the moment. We do house signs, as I mentioned before, some office desks, hallway tables, coffee tables, a lot of, you know, I guess tables. <laughs> but also we've got earrings, coasters, door stops. We've made coat racks. And one thing that is in development is we'd love to start making, you know, the flat pack wardrobes mm-hmm. that people could then, instead of it being chipboard and laminate, it could be recycled plastic in your wardrobe. Obviously, uh, there are you know challenges to to any material. You you name it, that there are pluses and minuses. I'm sure that's the case with recycled plastics. Tell me something, please, about some of the the challenges around creating something that's suitable out of a recycled plastic. You know, durable, strong, good looking. What what are you sort of trying to overcome when you're making things? One of our biggest challenges at the moment is a getting the same thickness straight across because we use a bit of an old school technique of compression. Sometimes at the corners, it can be a little bit out. So we're definitely working through one of those. And also bubbles, 
which means that when we do compress it, sometimes, you know, there's not enough plastic just there. But we are working through all of them. And, I mean, I look back at our first sheet compared to what we do now and, oh, my God, wow. Mm. You know, sometimes you, you feel like, oh, my goodness, are we making any progress? But then, you know, even a few months ago to, to what we're doing now, you know, the sheets of, you know, they've got that really pristine finish and they, you know, they, they look really good to be in a house as well. So originally we had a little bit of, I guess, people thinking that it could be more suited to kids' furniture. So one of the things that we did was source colours that weren't, I guess, really out there, but more your pastel sort of colours that would suit being in a home so people could be, you know, really proud of them and not go, oh, you know, it's probably suited to the cubby house instead. Right. And and so you've, you've mentioned some improvements over time that you've made with uh, creating items out of plastic. Tell me about, uh, you know, continuing to, to do things better, R&D. What does it look like at the company? Is it around, you know, chemistry or new products, d- design, all of the above and more? Tell me about it, please. Yeah, it's definitely about all the above and more. We don't use the word failure at the workshop. We use let's try again yeah. <laughs> because... You know, we have the times that things just don't work and other times it works straight away. But one thing that my husband and I, we have a really big drive. If someone says that it can't be done or it's too hard, we really want to prove them wrong that it can be done using recycled plastic so that there is no need to create brand new plastic. Let's just use what we've got and recycle it over and over again. You know, we we keep a logbook of all our what we've tried and what we've done (laughs) when we make slight changes and everything and we just find that it does give us a really big sense of accomplishment when we've you know done something behind the scenes that it you know it finally works you're like yay look at that it looks fantastic so you know it it is some days it can be oh my goodness this you know and we've found depending on where the plastic comes from so if it was originally outside uh, like the wheelie bins we nicknamed the beast Mm-hmm. Um, whereas then we got a whole couple of ton of black shampoo and conditioner bottles and they just did whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sometimes it can be a bit of like, oh, did it come from, you know, where does it come from and, you know, how will it react that way? So, um, but I mean, we're up for the challenge and the only way to get recycled plastic out there more is to, you know, keep research and development and going through everything. Sure. And have you uh, gotten in touch with any of the other, there are a few, you know, plastic recycling companies in Australia that have been doing it for a while. Have you seen, uh, you know, sought any advice from any of those? I've reached out to quite a few different plastic recycling companies and the best thing is we've got a little group, I guess, where everyone's really happy and helpful. You know, it's not so much of, oh, you know, I'm doing this, I'm going to keep it to myself. But I, I contacted someone recently in Sydney and said, look, I'm after some white HDPE, you know, I'm struggling to find enough, do you know? And and straight away, she gave me a whole list of people that she knows and uses. And it was just like, this is what we need, you know, more people getting on board and recycling rather than it, you know, I guess being one company rules them all, if that yeah. makes sense. No, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I think if 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 everyone does well, then everyone does well, basically. And and I don't think anyone gains anything by by keeping an incredibly closed shop and just thinking it'd be counterproductive to talk to you know your peers. Yeah, and I mean we're all finding, I guess, the same. I mean, different sorts of issues. I mean, it's really nice knowing that 
you know, there are other people out there doing similar to what we're doing, but you can reach out. So mm. it's, it's nice not feeling like, oh my God, what are we doing? Mm. <laughs> you've diverted from landfill so far? Uh, my last count, which was about a month ago, we just surpassed seven tons. Oh, well done. So, yeah, that was really exciting. But as of this morning, we've had three more big orders come in. So that will easily take us past the 10 ton mark, which is really exciting, you know, since the 1st of October. So. Mm. Let's turn to some of the, you know, major challenges that all listeners will probably be familiar with. You know, you could pick a few, but let's go with energy costs, skill shortages and supply chain issues. How are they affecting you guys and how are you managing them? Well, I'll start with energy costs. For us, we're trying to keep the mindset that it's not so much a challenge, but just a way of life and it will continue at the moment, definitely go up. So we're trying to be mindful with like, you know, how long machineries are used for, you know, if there are bits that we can, you know, pull back a little bit on just to just to look at energy costs but also trying to accommodate that in with our recycling so um you know not so much being for the the end user but you know maybe we take on a bit more of the the cost that way with skill shortages for us it's not too much of a challenge because pretty much anyone when we look to start hiring can come to our factory and we will just teach them from the ground up they won't actually need any sort of prior training or knowledge but our biggest one would be supply chain issues with getting plastic at the moment we get our plastic to our factory that is already washed and shredded and ready to go so one of our biggest expense is transport and it does take quite a long time to get us in, get to us in in some cases so that is one of our biggest ones that in the future we want to be able to do the whole from collection all the way through washing shredding to making but at the moment we're reliant on other places and that would definitely be one of our biggest ones so we're trying to now really forecast on what sort of plastic we need and when we'll need it by so that we're not I guess a couple of weeks ago where I was like oh I actually really need some <laughs> white plastic yesterday <laughs> you know so but we're trying to be positive and we're trying to be optimistic that you know if we just keep pushing through you know we will we will get there. We're speaking because I got in touch because I saw that you'd made the finals of the Hunter Manufacturing Awards. Congratulations on that. Would you like to say any, anything about doing what you do in the Hunter and, and the sort of sense of community among manufacturers there if you've noticed anything you'd like to share? Yeah, well, firstly, I just want to say thank you so much to the Hunter Manufacturing Awards for this opportunity to be talking to you today, Brent. And I mean, we really do feel honoured that the manufacturing area in the Hunter is amazing and to be seen you know, as a finalist is, is just, I'm just so proud. And, you know, just to be exciting to be working together with other businesses in the area to close the loop and try to think outside of the box of what, you know, is currently made, I guess, with single-use plastic. What Could we change it? Could we, could we make something new with recycled plastic? Um, and I feel like a lot of the businesses within the Hunter region are really open to making that change. They're really open to chatting with us of, 
you know, oh, this is what we're getting in, like importing at the moment. Is this something that we can potentially make right here? And I think that will make our region even stronger as we move forward. And I mean, the other businesses that are around this area, like they're all doing fantastic things, especially a lot in the um, sustainability and eco sector. And I just look forward to as we continue to grow, you know, helping and, and working with other businesses in the region to find better solutions. I'd like to know something of you, your ambitions for the company in the, the medium term. Tell us about the, the next few years, if everything goes to plan or nearly to plan or somewhere uh, in, the, in the neighbourhood of the plan. In the plan, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so in medium term, we definitely want to be expanding to be able to take one to six plastic type and recycling them into a range of different products and uses. We also would like to be looking at hiring around 30 people within the next five years. We've just seen such growth in the in the first 10 months that, you know, that the three of us will not be able to sustain what we're currently doing. Mm. And I, we really want to continue to help other businesses to achieve their own eco targets and, you know, be able to create custom-made products for them that then they can pass on to their own customers and, and share what they're doing in their business to uh, limit waste as well. Mm-hmm. Another routine question that we ask of guests in this series is around the, the importance of a strong manufacturing eco in, in ecosystem Excuse me, in Australia. Tell me about your thoughts on this issue. Why is a um, solid manufacturing base worth developing and having around? So for me, I believe that by having a, a solid manufacturing ecosystem in, within Australia means that we've got more contingency and less reliance on the, on the world. It also means that you know, we've got a bit more control over what products we can make and and create, but also it ups our export availability. And we do have the skill set and motivation of people locally that are that are ready to get their hands dirty and, and create some amazing things. And I think COVID really showed us that, you know, a pandemic or, or a war, supply chains get cut straight away. So the more that we can do at home to create products that we that Australians need is all for the better. Lastly, is there anything you'd like to uh, plug, perhaps, or a final comment to make uh, while I have you on the line, Jess? Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, Firstly, I'd just like to say to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Um, Please get on board with us, check out what we're doing, and a huge thank you to the Hunter Manufacturing Awards for this incredible opportunity. The Hunter is a force of manufacturing brilliance, and it's an absolute privilege to to be part of such an amazing region. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. A pleasure. That's all we've got time for this time around. So uh, Jess Hodge, thank you very much for joining us on AU Manufacturing Conversations and, and good luck with the Hunter Manufacturing Awards in October. Thank you so much. No worries.